0: is that the prayer of your heart that he would meet you here right now? Because I believe even more than than what we want is what he wants to do. And I think in our heart is the desire to connect with him and just more than we could ask, think, or hope, he wants to meet with us. So Father, our hearts are just, they're open to you. Our focus is upon you and we set aside just this moment in time to be able just to deeply connect with you just help us with that right now father draw us up beyond ourselves there's only so much that we can do and that one line in that song we're just not enough without you And so father in this place between the two things It makes it whole. And so, Father, thank you for just that completeness right now. Draw our hearts fully and have your way fully. And I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Yeah. Go ahead and you can take your seat. Um, While you're doing that, a little bit different beginning tonight in that I want to highlight two... um, well, a mission opportunity and then a mission, um, a mission opportunity that we're thankful for. That's probably the best way to say it. Recently, uh, a group from Jubilee was in Peru. Uh, in particular, uh, Pastor Terry and Pastor Jonathan had led a team down there. And they shot this small little video that we wanted to show you because there's so many things that our church does around the world that we just don't have the time always to highlight those things. And so we trust like that you'll hear about it, but we wanted to be uh, intentional for these these two things. So watch this video real quick. Hey Jubilee, welcome to Peru. We're here in Comas at a community center for our missionary, Larry Good. And in 2018, Pastor John took up an offering and this is the result of what you did for these kids and these young adults here in comas what's special about this place to me and i think to jubilee is that they've dedicated the top portion of the playground in Brenda. It's called Brenda's Jungle. There's a painting over there. It overlooks a beautiful place of a trampoline, uh, slides, and all sorts of uh, playground equipment. It's a wonderful place in the middle of this dusty, poor, poverty-stricken area that kids can come and enjoy and have fun and hear about Jesus. Hey, Jubilee, in a place of hopelessness, you are providing hope And we want to thank you for your generosity of what you have done, not only for the playground, the money that you gave to the playground, but every single month you are feeding kids. You're feeding hundreds of kids. Kids are coming and learning about Jesus. They know God. So thank you for your generosity. It doesn't. Yeah, listen. Yeah, absolutely. It doesn't. um, It doesn't do justice to try to um, describe to you. I think Jonathan's line right there was perfect. To bring hope where it's hopeless, and it's just such a poor area. And right in the middle of this poor area, so this wonderful uh, facility that's been built to educate, to feed, to clothe, uh, to encourage uh, a group of people that just otherwise they they're stuck in a cycle of, of not just physical poverty, but spiritual poverty, emotional neglect. Uh, it's just it's such a powerful thing that you've done. And we don't get a chance often to show um, where so much of, uh, of your dollars go to. But that's just one example. And we wanted to kind of use it to launch into an opportunity that we have. If you've been paying attention to uh, international news in Africa, in Mozambique... Uh, They've suffered two Katrina-level storms in a 30-day time period. Uh, Our very first missionaries from our church, uh, Jeff and Nikki Reitz, here's what they look like. They were the very first ones, very first uh, missionaries that we sent out from our church, and they've been in Mozambique now for uh, 20 years. Um, They are part of Africa Wa Yesu, which is Africa for Jesus, and they are an educational, a church planting. Um, they do. <laughs> Hundreds uh, and thousands of people have come to Jesus and matured in him through Jeff and Nikki and where they minister in Mozambique. And let me show you what the storm looks like. This is from some of our pictures and some of international news. Uh, it's, yeah, it's, it's a devastating, and when I say Katrina-like, think Katrina in New Orleans and then think two Katrinas in a 30-day time period. In an infrastructure that cannot begin to, um, to handle what it's like right there. And so we are, um, we're fortunate in that we haven't had any loss of lives in any of the Bible colleges that we have there, the churches that we've planted. But the, um, the need uh, is huge in that now... Uh, yeah, look at the tin shack up in the, in, caught up in the tree. I mean, it's just a massive, massive storm. Uh, and then back to back... Um, what we have the opportunity to do and to help with is this. In the bigger cities, um, you've got the UN and uh, and larger relief efforts that uh, that are making a difference. But it's in the bush that nothing's being done, and that's where much of the the dollars that we send and the ministry that we try to see happen. It's out in the bush where they're just not being taken care of. And so, um, what what Jonathan has been able to uh, team up, Jonathan and Rebecca have been able to team up with Africa Why is to put together, uh, I, they just called it a little life kit, for lack of a, a, of a better word, um, a, a relief life kit, and it contains, let me read it to you, food, cooking equipment, utensils, rolls of plastic so that they can make a shelter, uh, you know, roofing for themselves, clothes, mosquito nets, which right now, it's not just so that they can sleep well. Uh, mosquito-borne illnesses in a thing like this go, it just goes crazy. So even if you can get food to people, uh, malaria begins to take over. And then dysentery also follows on the heels of this. And so these little kits um, have, have mosquito netting in it um, uh, and then a water purification kit inside of it. Uh, it's pretty basic. It's not, um, it's not like building a well but it gives them something in the bush that that lets them survive. We're talking survival level right here is what we're talking. Here's the deal. $65 per kit. $65 per kit. That's what it takes to put these kits together. Now, we've been able to commit already $2,500 to them, which is a drop in the bucket to what we'd like to do. But we thought rather than just um, saying, okay, uh, you know, how can we... How can we budget more uh, out of the main? There's so many things that we're committed to. We thought we'd just bring it to you and say, would you consider even like a family? Could a family in our church consider doing four, five, six kits for a family there? That $65 is for a family of four or five people, a mom and a dad and kids, that it would be able to take care of. Would you consider... helping us partner to be able to do that. We thought breaking it down into a, a, a $65 number, uh, what would that look like? If you're a Starbucks person, maybe it's a two days. <laughs> <laughs> Depending on how Starbucks you are. Maybe it's a month of Starbucks. But in, in terms of, um, it's hard to equate third world problems to first world people. Right. Because when we deal with problems, it's things like my internet is not running as fast as I want it to. I'm, I'm aggravated that, uh, you know, I had to wait in a line uh, to get coffee. You're talking about people that have their, it, it's basic survival. And how do you bring those, those third world needs to a first world people? I, I think if we can just show you the heart behind it, it's, this church is the most generous church. Uh, I, I, I know that and I believe that with all of my heart. I've seen it over and over, and so we just want to throw that out to you. If you'd like to help with the relief effort in this and do something that is very tangible, that every dollar, by the way, every dollar goes directly into this. Nothing comes out of it there for uh, administrative costs or anything like that. Every dollar that you give goes directly into um, helping us do this. If you'd like to do that, you can do it online, as always. Like when you give, there's just a little box you can check Uh, For missions, you can do it at the offering boxes. Just write something there. You can talk to Pastor Jonathan and Rebecca, let them know what you'd like to do. If you need to pray about it, this is not a need that's going to go away in a 30 day time period. They've been struggling with this now uh, for well over, I I think it's 45 days since the last storm hit them. And the need is just so, so great. The immediate need that they had was to get a helicopter to look for survivors. And Jonathan was actually able to connect them to a helicopter out of South uh, Africa. But it, the it, yeah I, I it just it's just such a great need and so uh, I will just throw that out to you um, a little bit different beginning for me and that I don't normally spend this amount of time highlighting missions, but we felt it was um, it was important to show you where your dollars are going to in one sense and another need that's out there. so if you'd like to help, uh, please be a part of that. How about this let me pray and refocus on what the message is gonna be right here. Maybe these things are, maybe you'll see a a common theme here in what we're about to do. So Father, um, Lord, as we just prepare now to shift gears and and go into a time where we receive, um, just asked people to give, and now, God, we wanna receive, so open our hearts and get them ready. Father, um, we we come with so many different um, variations of what a Saturday is. For some, we work today, And for some, we did things around the house, and for some, it was the only day uh, off that we've had. But God, bring us all together for the common purpose right now of, of, um, Lord, of instructing us, of encouraging us, of having all of our hearts, of letting your light shine in our lives, so that when we leave here, we're more like Jesus and less like the world. Thank you, God, for just your faithfulness right now. Lead and speak through this message in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, um, so maybe maybe these things are connected with each other in an interesting way, and I didn't think about that when we planned it. But maybe maybe you'll see that right now. Um, for me, recently we had a guest speaker here, uh, first part of March, Ethan Matott, uh, Pastor JJ's brother. Ethan was on staff with us for a long time, part of our missions department, and uh, man, what great young man! I don't know if you heard his message. He's a tremendous teacher. Um, he had it in his heart, though, uh, from from several years ago, that at some point. He and uh, a couple of his friends, who had all felt God speak to them, they would go and they would plant a church in Austin, Texas. And so I knew that uh, at some point we would we would lose him from our staff, and that he would go out with 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 my blessing and with a good thing that he was doing. And so they launched um, uh, earlier, uh, uh, just just a few months ago, uh, they launched their church in Austin and it's just gone tremendously well. It's a booming church in Austin. If you've got any friends, family, if you're traveling down to that area, Red Rocks, Austin. You should tell them about it. You should stop by and visit. It is an awesome uh, a church. But I, I had told him when he was leaving here, I wanted him to speak. The schedules got uh, got mixed up. There were conflicts on it. And so I said, I would have loved to have done it before you started the church, but maybe it's God's purpose. Start the church and then come back and, and we'll we'll take an offering for you. So normally when we do that, uh, the way we do it is what I just did for Mozambique. I'll just tell people, hey, if you want to give, here's, here's your opportunity. And we're pretty low key with how we do the finances. But while I'm listening to him teach, I feel the Lord begin to, to move my heart. And that, that's not like an amazing thing, but during the service and very quickly, yeah, thank you for catching that. Um, <laughs> during a service and very quickly, I feel the Lord say, um, give him your offering. And so I said back to the Lord, I am gonna give him an offering. Do you hear the subtle difference between those two things? And I felt the Lord tell me, Give him your offering. Now it wasn't was not dramatic. He he was not saying or doing anything that was like you know um, evidence that that that's what he was out for. Or he was wanting it was something that was just happening in my heart uh, immediately, and I felt really challenged by the Lord. And I think I said this at the time. Um, you know, faith is like um, it's it's like a, a muscle, and in, in that. You you build it up to a certain level and it will get strong to a point and you can use it to do something you're used to. But when God decides to like stretch, all of a sudden that muscle gets put to the test and you've got to decide whether or not you wanna do you want to build it up further. Do you want to go further? All right. So I, I I think in my faith, giving away kingdom resources is something that God has done with me and I can do it really easy. I can give away uh, dollars. I can give away uh, resource. It's just something that's come uh, through time and experience. I've gotten. Very used to it uh, I, I don't struggle with with doing it, but only to a certain level right and so my level maybe I think I've got a little more practice and experience in giving away larger kingdom resources so if when I get up and talk about it, people look and go, well yeah wow pastor john that's that's great you're able to do that but but you know you get to that level and you get used to doing it that and then God gives you a challenge that you 've never done before, and all of a sudden. It's it's difficult, and I felt him like let's stretch this, let's move to a new level, and I felt the resistance inside of me, like I I don't know if I can do that. I don't know if we can afford to do that. I don't know how God if what if what if I'm wrong? What it's gonna the whole offering? What if we break it down over 24 months, no interest, uh, and and come on, have a little fun. So. I just felt like the Lord, he was not harsh with me. It was not like, John, if you don't do this, I'm not going to bless you. I didn't feel anything like that. I just felt him put it in my heart and challenged me to do it. And I, I wrestled for a few seconds, um, and, and the Lord just, he spoke to my heart about it, and I said, okay, we're, we're going to do it. I'm just, I, here's what I know. So when God speaks to you, you have a small opportunity to operate on it before you talk yourself out of it. And here's what you've actually talked yourself out of. It's not the money that you talked yourself out of. It's the blessing that God had behind the obedience that you talked yourself out of. And we don't realize that. And we think to ourselves, all we can see is the immediate so many times. And we're just like, God, I just don't, I don't think I can do that. I just, God, if I'm wrong, what would happen? Why don't we ever say to ourselves, if I'm right, what will happen? Why don't we ever say, God, what's on the other side of this this act of obedience right here? And real quickly, so that you know how I feel about this, there is a difference between presumption and faith. Presumption is you doing it. And faith is knowing that God said it. And God is not obligated to bless presumption, but he will bless faith. He will bless faith. So I know I was sitting over there. I know the Lord challenged me to do it. I wrestled with it for a moment. I knew you've got to make this decision, and you need to do it now before you. I could feel myself trying to reason away all the different things and how I was going to get it down to to an amount that was reasonable for my faith. Right? Does that make sense? So for you, you would have said, wow, good for you. But I would have known in my heart, I know I can. And God was challenging me, go above it. Giving away the whole offering, never done that before. That was something that was beyond what we could do. So here's the deal. That weekend, it snows like crazy, and it's super cold, and we have the lowest attendance that we have had in six months. And I give away the offering, and even then I'm thinking, whew, this won't be too bad. And it turns out to be the largest offering that we've had in six months. And so by the time we, we I, and I kept it open online, I just said, hey, if you want to, maybe you didn't come prepared to do this, but if you want to, we'll leave it open for a week. So bottom line, we gave them $80,000. Tremendous amount of money. I, hey, when's the last time somebody gave you $80,000? That's a lot of money. And so uh, they, they were so blessed by it. And, and we, so I, I just wanted to, here, here's where this whole all-in message came from. It's that when I was sitting there and when I felt the Lord moved my heart, there was this all-in thing that happened for me again. It's happened many times in my faith, but it was a new stretch for me. And it gave me this message, and what it's done for me spiritually is what I want to talk about in this. So I thought I would update you real quickly. Since we gave them that money, what's happened with that money? So I just I talked to them, and I've actually got Ethan's email right here, and I won't read the whole thing to you. But I just asked, what have you used the money for so far? Listen to this. $20,000, $5,000 we gave to Pastor Timothy in India. So they're giving the money that I gave them away to other missionaries. How good is that? I love that right there. 5,000 to another ministry, a second one in India that's church planting and that is protecting kids that, are, um, that are, are sex trafficked, 5,000 to Rodney and Rodas Gephardt, missionaries that we support here already, right? And then 5,000 towards a compassion project that all of the Red Rocks uh, community uh, is a part of. So they've already given, of the 80, they've already given 20 of it back away, and I'm just like, God, thats that, they've got the right heart. I get what you were trying to do. How about this? That very same month, March, our tithe goes up after we gave the money $80,000. So that what we gave away, we got back that month. That's you. Wait, and then, then it, it gets better. So we owned a piece of property in Lakewood that we had a campus in at one point. And we just felt the Lord when, when Pastor DJ and Dan went together uh, down, down uh, to Castle Rock. We didn't feel like we were supposed to put another pastor in that. But I didn't, I didn't want to sell it to just a developer. I knew it was supposed to be for a church. So when I went over to have the meeting at Lakewood, I'm sitting with that group of people telling them, we don't feel like it's gonna be a Jubilee campus. And they're all like, what is it going to be? And I said, I don't know right now, I don't know. But I felt the Holy Spirit, so I prophesied to them. And this is what I said, In, in this month's time, there will be a church that was like we were 20 years ago, that needs someone to do something supernatural for them. And they're sitting in a school or some rented building right now, wondering, how will we ever get out of here? And God's about to do a miracle. I have no idea who they are. Later that week, a little vineyard church comes and asks what's gonna go on with the building. And I knew when I talked to the guy, I'm like, God, is this the guy? I actually had five different people who approached me to buy the building. And this little vineyard pastor comes, and he sits in my office, and I'm trying to figure out, okay, God, who do we help get into this building? Who should we do this? And I had two really strong cash offers, like just sell this thing, and, and it might have ended up in the hands of a developer. But I didn't feel like that's what God wanted us to do. So this little vineyard church, there are about a little over 100 people. He comes, and he sits in my office, and I'm like, why do you want this building? And this, he looks like me, my skin color, my background. Do you get what I'm? It's a white guy. And so um, he says, I had a vision years ago when I planted our church. And he said, God lifted me up. It's at the corner of Wadsworth and 285. He lifted me up looking east back to Federal and back to Sheridan, which is very, very Hispanic in that area right there. And he said, as I looked east, not west, he said, God said, that's your people. This is who you give yourself to. So he said, we started this church. He said, we live at Sheridan and 285. He said, we're the only white family on our baseball team. He said, we've had to learn to speak Spanish. He said, this, we are not doing this as a stepping stone to go farther to the west. He said, we want to go to the east, and this is our base to go. And I knew that I knew that God wanted them to have that. So I tell our people, you should go to this church. And long story short, we sell the building to them for what we had in it. And in the short time that we did that, their church is now three times as large as it as it was. Wait, I guess. The only vineyard church that went forward the last year was the Lakewood Vineyard Church that we got into that building right there. So I watched the Lord do this tremendous thing. We go to close on the property, and I'm pulling up in front of, it was down in Cherry Creek, and I'm pulling up in front, and, and this like this fear, like, God, oh, is this gonna work out? God, we really need this to work out. And I'm parking my car and I'm nervous about it. And uh, I'm, I'm, I'm pulling it back into space. And this is what the Lord said to me. You went all in for me. Now watch what it's like when I go all in for you. And we close on that building. And just the most remarkable series of events has happened for us that have financially just opened it's just opened the windows of heaven and gave me a boldness to talk about this, so that's what the all in is going to be and if you've got a pen or a pencil, i'll do this for you I'll leave it in a situation where it's not a a manipulation of I'm trying to take an offering at the end I'm not, although maybe I should maybe I shouldn't apologize for like so here let me just give you these three things, and here's why finances, has to be attached to the all-in message. Jesus himself said that where your treasure is, there your what is. So for sure, treasure represents many different things. Treasure can be your family, and treasure could be your home, and treasure could be your job in some cases, but treasure in some cases for sure is your finances. Do you agree with that? And so Jesus himself, he taught, look at the scripture right here, Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one... And love the other or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. And then he brings it to the point. You cannot serve both God and money. So for those who think that what Jesus was saying, where your treasure is, there your heart is. For those who think the context is not money, that right there is the context. He actually says as soon as he says the part where your your treasure is, there your heart is, you can't serve two masters. You can't love God and love money. You've got to pick one or the other. So the reason that all in uh, is, is part of it is connected to finances. Finance is one of those gauges in our life that tells us about where we're at going all in. It, it, it's one of those things that it describes to us where our heart is at when it comes to a, a gauge that, that shows us. So here's, here's three things. And, and here's the first one if you want to fill it in. The first one, listen to the words. Test God. Test God. Now, there's a place in the Bible that actually says the opposite of that. It says that we're not to test God. We're not to put him to the test. And what that means is we're not to pray a prayer like, Hey, God, if you want to do this, then make this happen versus this happen. We kind of test to see. We have the Holy Spirit. We're not supposed to test God that way. But the Bible does tell us the only place we're allowed to test God is when it comes to finances, when we give. And it says in Malachi, maybe you've heard it before, but listen to the context of this. Malachi three ten, and the invitation is from God, not from the prophet Malachi, but from God. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse so there will be enough food in my temple. So how would we apply that? The storehouse is the place where you eat. And so spiritually speaking, the place that you eat spiritually is the place that you bring your tithe so that they can then take care of things like Mozambique and children in Peru and people in our community and things that happen here, education, whatever it is. So bring all the tithes into the storehouse so that there will be enough food in my temple. If you do, says the Lord of heaven's armies, I will open the windows of heaven for you. Look a little bit further. And I will pour out a blessing so great that you won't have enough room to take it in, try this, put me to the what? So the Old Testament, the the original King James language would have written written it this way. uh, uh, Put me to the test, try me out in this, check and see for yourself would be the vernacular that God is offering to us. Uh, If you do, if you'll bring your money, if you will put your heart uh, and my heart for you and your heart for me in the first place, and let your money follow that, I will open the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing that you can't contain. Real fast, how many of you would love a blessing that you finally had to say to God, I can't take it anymore? Yeah. No, just, I'm, uh, that's what that is saying right there. And why most of the time when we think blessing, it's usually just like, well, you know, yeah, that was, that was kind of close to what I was praying. Uh, I mean, you know, in a, in a relative way, God, you answered my. What if it was so beyond relative like, God, please stop. I can't handle the blessing. How good would that be? Yeah. One time in my life, I would like to see God's people just say, stop talking about blessing. I can't take it anymore. How awesome would that be? So the Bible here tells us, test God. Try me out in this one thing. Give and see whether or not I will bless you. All right, listen to what I'm about to say. So I had had to have a come to Jesus meeting to see if I had the courage to do this, but I'm going to go all in. If you're not a giver, or you're just like whenever the mood strikes you, if there's not that commitment to go all in, let's do a test. 90 days. Everything you give for the next 90 days, let's test God. And if you can't say at the end of it that God blessed you, I'll give every dime back to you. I've already told Todd, listen. I've already told him, set aside everything that comes in from new people or people that want to be a part of this. Set it aside. Do not spend it. Put it in an account where it can be given back right away. And if you think that's ludicrous, it's not my idea. It comes from the Bible. And literally, if you can go, hey, I gave and I don't see God's blessing on it in my life, I, I don't think God wants your money. I know your church doesn't want it in a way that would cause you harm in any way, shape, or form. If you don't feel like it's blessing you and that it's worth what God says, if you can't tangibly see the blessing of God in your life, then all you need to do, you can do it, you can email. You don't even have to come face to face. You can email and say, give it back to me. And we'll give it all back to you. And I'm doing that, listen, not for my sake. I'm doing it for your sake. Because I live this already. This is not something that I'm challenging myself in, although maybe the message comes out of a new challenge that God gave me. So let me say this. Uh, when we say, "test God for 90 days and see if God's blessing's not on your life, does that mean for every dollar you give, God gives two? I don't think that's how God's blessing works, although it can work that way. How about this? Um, there's a, a passage in the Old Testament that I've held onto uh, that Joshua taught, and he said that uh, God will bless you, and when he blesses you, he will add no trouble to the blessing. So how about this? You could have money, but if your children... Hate you. Yeah. How good is your money? And you could have success in business as an entrepreneur or as a person who works in a partnership or investing. But if your body is just racked and sick, and how good your money. So the blessing of God, real quickly, and I'm just going to be bold when I say it right now, is the blessing of God. Is far more than a dollar for dollar. What if your children love Jesus in a way that you could have never, ever prayed a prayer to see how? What do you think it's worth to you when your children love Jesus more than you do? What is it worth to you on the day that we all stand before the Lord and the circle's not broken? So Real quickly, what would it be worth to you on that day to look across your family and see everybody there? The, the areas that God blesses in our lives that we just think, you know, when he's talking about blessing, his blessing is always just financial. It, it's never dollar for dollar, although God can bless us that way. It's in so many other ways that the blessing of peace in your life. What do you think peace is worth and how much would you pay to have peace? And you don't know what peace is worth until it's gone from your life and you can't find it anyplace. You can't rest and you can't stop. Those are the blessings. And by the way, because I'm offering a test in this, I want your stories in this. And if God is talking to you and you're willing to try, test, prove God, then I want to hear the stories because I want to tell other people about your stories. Now, I don't know if maybe you think I'm crazy with a 90-day test, but I'm trying to talk to people. I'm not talking to the constituency in our church that supports financially right now, so this is not me trying to get more. I'm talking to the people who haven't been able to test God in this. And, And maybe you think this, like, so where do I start it's not the amount, it's the principle that God wants to bless. So if you can only do 10 bucks, do 10 bucks. If you can do 10%, do 10%. But don't, if we remain in a place where we just go, oh, when, when I win the lottery, pastor, I promise. What you do now is what you'll do then. It's a principle. It's a principle. Here's the second one. Test the water. The first was test God. Here's the second one, test the water. Matthew 14, look at this one real quick. It's familiar scripture, but look at it in the context of, of testing the water. Immediately, Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side of the lake while he dismissed the crowd. After he had dismissed the crowd, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. <clears throat> Later that night, he was there alone, and the boat was already a considerable distance from the land. So Jesus is on the side of the hill being able to watch the disciples fight against a storm. They're trying to row and get across the lake. And they're being buffeted by the waves because the wind is against the boat. Shortly before dawn, so they've been rowing all night long, Jesus went out to them, which doesn't sound like much till this part. He went out to them walking on the lake, not in a boat, not in a canoe, not swimming, walking on the lake. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. Actually, uh, in the original, uh, right there, it says they shrieked. It's not a very manly response to the. <laughs> they were they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and they cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, "Take courage. It is I. Do not be afraid." This part, Lord, if it's you, Peter said tell me to come to you on the water. In other words, (laughs) if it really is you, if you're really doing this, if what I'm seeing is really happening, then tell me that I can do the same thing that you're doing. Jesus immediately, probably not, not surprised, but probably very pleased by Peter's faith, said to him, come. And then Peter got down out of the boat and he walked on the water and he came towards Jesus and I wish the story ended right there. Because he's the only other person in all of humanity that we know about that walked on water. And so you can say a lot of stuff about Peter, and there's always somebody that's, you know, some pastor ripping on that he had a big mouth, and he always, you know, he overcommitted himself, and he did. The bottom line is this. What I admire about him is that he was willing to put his faith to the test. And even if he got wet, at least he got wet walking on water. The rest of them were shrieking in a boat. And at some level, how do you want to live your life? You want to be afraid and cautious in a boat? Or do you want to be able to at least say, I believed enough in the miraculous and my faith was strong enough in Jesus that I was willing to put things at risk into the test. And our Christianity is not some kind of a method or a vehicle to live cautiously until we die and get to go to heaven. It is supposed to be about faith. It is supposed to be at some level about risk. And it is supposed to be about believing God enough that you actually put into practice what you read, what you pray, and what you hear. And if you think that's radical, that's first century Christianity. What we live today is some cautiously safe, let's look at me real quick. It's going to get a lot of people killed in the future. You didn't hear what I said just now. But the cautiousness behind our faith and the need to be safe is going to cost a lot of believers their lives in coming days. There is something that needs to be said to be willing to stand up for what you believe in. And if you can't do it with Jesus, how will you ever do it with the world? But when Peter saw the wind and he was, he was afraid and beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. Now here's what I love about this part. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. I'm glad Jesus didn't decide to use it as a lesson. <laughs> Do you get what I'm saying? Like, okay. Didn't have faith? Drown. Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. And then he just corrects him. I I think we read this where Jesus is scolding him. I think Jesus is more trying to compel him. Peter, man, what what happened to your faith? Why did you doubt? And it, it puts the story suddenly in a context of where Peter failed, which is where so many people take this story to. He's the only one of the 12 who was willing to put his faith on the line, and he has the story. The story is not about the 11 that stayed in the boat. It's about the one that was willing to get out of the boat. So maybe just if you are, if you are a person of faith, and if you are a person who's willing to step out, and you're a person who can look back on your history and think, God has been able to use me and God has been able to, he's been able to compel me at different times to get out of the boat. Here's my message for you. When's the last time? And when's the last time you did something you've never done before? Dan DeMay, when he left here to start the church in Castle Rock, left here with this reason. This is what he said. He said, I didn't want my children to hear me talk about faith and never see me put it to the test. He said, my children now, they're in their early 20s and they've never seen me have to step out. They've heard me preach about it and they've heard me encourage other people to do it but they've never had to see me step out and I didn't want my children to grow up and leave my house and never see Kim and I step out in faith. When's the last time you stepped out in faith? And I get, man, I applaud you. We need you, and we're thankful for all that you've done, but when's the last time God challenged you to do something more than you're doing right now? Was the last time you were willing to risk? Right after the heart attack, and the doctor was like, you've got to start exercising more, he said, begin with walking. Then he told me this. He said, at first when you start to walk, If you haven't done it, he said, it'll seem like a lot of exercise. Go three or four miles and you'll see. It'll seem like a lot of exercise. But he said, your body is designed to become efficient at what you test it in. So he said, in a very short amount of time, your muscles will develop and walking will not be difficult for you any longer. And if you want to stay healthy, you're going to have to increase how far you walk, how fast you walk, or some other form of exercise because you will still atrophy believe it or not, at a certain level if you don't keep stretching. Look at this. If faith is a muscle, when's the last time you went beyond what you've become comfortable at doing on a regular basis? When's the last time you went further than you went last month? When's the last time you tested God? When's the last time you ran faster, ran harder, put it out there, believed God to do so? When's the last time if you're like, Pastor, come on, man, I, reward me for what I've done. <laughs> now let's go and do something else. <sighs> let's push it further. Man, I can just tell you, here's what happened for me. I love, I, it's evident in 21 years, I think to everybody that goes here, I love Jesus with all of my heart, and I've given my life to this cause. This is what I'm doing. One place, one group of people, one life, that's it. But I can just tell you, even at that level, you get used to doing that. So it doesn't require faith after you get used to doing it. And to sit over there and have God say, go all in again. Put it back on the line like you did when you came here. Like you've had to do it different times. Put it back on the line and trust me again. Here's the reward. My spiritual life went pow. The passion. The 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 place in Jesus where you just wake up. When's the last time you were excited about serving Jesus, man? Not thankful that you're going to heaven and not like, yes, I know you love, but when's the last time you just, you were so excited about serving him? When was that? And if you're like, "Ah, you know, pastor, I'm not 15. Oh my goodness. (laughs) You've died before you were dead. Don't do that. Come alive. Be fully alive. When's the last time your faith grew? There's a direct connection to what I'm saying and these three things in your life. Health, joy, and passion. Health, joy, passion. Say, maybe you'll let this go right over your head. but I'm just going to ask you boldly. Look me in the eyes when you get done writing. Just look at me real quick. How many of you would love health, joy, and passion? Do you really want that? This is the promise, the good news. Our gospel is not some religious exercise where we just acquiesce to something mentally and we take notes and we're all good. God promises us health, joy, and passion. Health, joy, and passion. And there's a connection to us putting our faith into that thing right there. Here's the third one one is test God, two, test the water, three, pass the test. Pass the test. Mark chapter 12, Uh, this is a scripture. It never gets taught about very much, but look at this. Uh, Jesus, again, it's Jesus. Jesus sat down opposite the place where the offerings were put and watched the crowd putting their money into the temple treasury. Just real quick, how many of you are thankful Jesus isn't watching? Okay, never mind. Uh, (laughs) So where the offerings were put in and watched the crowd putting their money into the temple treasury. Many rich people threw in large amounts of money. That's awesome. But a poor widow came and put in two very small copper coins worth only a few cents. Jesus uses it as an opportunity to teach his disciples about all in. Calling them to himself, Jesus said, Truly I tell you, the poor widow has put, what's the word? In God's economy. Look at me. God's economy works different than the world's economy. Because he's not looking for how much. He's looking for where your heart is when you do it. What's going on in your heart. This is why finances becomes part of the all-in message. It's a gauge. Finances is one of the gauges that tells us where our heart is at when it comes to God. It is. And you can say, well, pastor, I don't know if I like that message. Man, this, it's connected to the power of health and joy and passion. Poor widow came and put in two very small copper coins worth only a few cents, calling his disciples to him. Jesus said, truly, I tell you, the poor widow has put more into the treasury than all of the others. They all gave out of their wealth, their abundance, their extra. But she, out of her poverty or her need, it was very costly. She put everything, all she had to live on, yes or no, he's saying she went all in. That's what he's saying. He's saying she went all in. And there's something about that that gets God's attention. It's not a dollar issue. It's a heart issue. 1 Samuel 16:7. This is about King David. This is what God told the prophet Samuel. The Lord said to Samuel, do not consider his appearance or his height. I love this scripture. Do not <laughs> consider his appearance or his height. I, both things give me encouragement. For I have rejected him. Look at this sentence. The Lord does not look at the things people look at. People look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. It's always about the heart. It's always about that. Hey, listen, let me put it in a context, and this is the portable. God's love is unconditional. If you never get what I'm saying, if you you reject what I'm saying, if you just say, Pastor, we're going to have to agree to disagree. I, I don't like that message. I don't want that message. I think that message is, that's, that's, I don't want to hear that. I don't believe that. S- listen to what I'm saying. You can reject this message, disagree with this message, not act on this message, and God's love for you will never change. It's unconditional. It is never based on what you do, whether you agree with me, whether you're like, I'm all in. You don't have to go all in, and God will never leave you. He will never forsake you. You can be an unfaithful person, and the Bible says God remains faithful because that's who he is when he loves us. But I want you to hear what I'm about to say. Listen, his love is unconditional, but his blessings are connected to your obedience. Yes, and that's why he says, test me in this and watch me. Open the windows of heaven and giving a blessing. Your salvation is done because of what Jesus did, not because of what you do. But the blessing of God is directly connected in you going yes to being all in. And that is the way that it works. And that's not Old Testament. That is New Testament. That is not law. That is grace. That is grace. And that is the way that it works. And his blessings are released through faith. By faith, we please God. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. Hey, this last sentence, this is for those who have ears to hear. The legacy and the future of this church will be connected in whether or not this message is held in a new level in esteem. Don't know if you just heard what I said. There's so many things God wants to do in the next couple of years. Man, there's so many opportunity Educationally, just what we could be doing and what it could look like and where we could go, but it will be contingent upon this message being the thing that we get all in. For those who have ears to hear what I just said, yeah. So, like the worship team said to me, how are you gonna end this and... I said, when I get done with this, I'm not sure people will even want to pray. Um, we'll just have to see what it's like when I get there. Um, but I think um, I think it's an opportunity for people in their hearts to decide, hey, um, where am I at on this issue of all in? And all in, it's such a, it's a term that until it's quantified, uh, everybody who loves Jesus will go, yeah, I'm all in. But when it's quantified and we say, here's what all in means and here's how you do all in, then it puts it as a place of like, God, where am I at with that? Where are you at with it? I'm not manipulating and I'm not twisting. I'm not taking an offering. I don't have a project. I'm not asking you to get your wallet or your checkbook or your money out. So I'm saying it as bold as I can without any twist of your arm on it. Where are you at on this issue? It's a gauge. And it's so easy right now just to dismiss me and think, hey, next week he'll be onto something else. Where are you at with the blessing of God? Maybe that's a better way. What about the windows of heaven being opened and a blessing that can't be contained? What would that look like? And what would that feel like? And is that possible? Is it hype? It, is it even a... Is it a doable thing? I just think God wouldn't have said it if it's not true. And it wouldn't be possible for us if it wasn't supposed to happen. And so I just think maybe that's that's where we'll come to the Lord right now. And Father, I... Um, man, as... as a leader here and thus senior pastor. God, I just lay this out for your people to hear something beyond the idea of just like uh, money, money this and money that. God, that's not what the message is about and that's not what we're trying to present. It's really about figuring out What all in is and how to go all in. You're a God who's gone all in for us. And as followers of Jesus, God, you ask us to go all in. Not to do things with only part of our lives, but to give the all to you. And Father, I'm going to let you define in people's hearts what all is. but speak to us and don't leave us alone. Don't let us be content with yesterday's faith. Don't let us be easily satisfied with where we were before we walked in to this weekend. God, stretch us and challenge us and call us higher. Father, we don't want to sit in a boat and play it safe and be afraid. We want to be bold. We want to do the supernatural. We want to have it be said about us in our testimony that we weren't afraid and on the sidelines and trying to play it safe that we fully realized our faith and did the supernatural and have the testimony of God's blessing, a supernatural blessing. And I thank you. Thank you for all you have done. Thank you for what you are doing. And thank you for what you will do tomorrow. And I bless you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Stand to your feet if you will and we'll finish with this song.